Today's episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, your one-stop location for all your gaming needs. Located in Lehigh City, Utah, their fun and friendly staff will be more than happy to answer any of your gaming needs. Just remember, Gamers Inn, it's where adventures begin. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Welcome, everyone, to Dungeon Crawlers, where we have Adrian Wilkinson on the show with us to talk about all the amazingness that she has done. I mean, you've been on Star Wars with Star Wars The Force Unleashed, you've done Voices in the Old Republic, you've even been on Clone Wars, uh, Star Trek Renegade, so you've kind of crossed the, the geekdoms there. You've been on Xena Warrior Princess. I even saw that you were on Saved by the Bell, the new class. <laughs> yes, that gem. How could we forget that one? But yeah, Ooh, I, mean, I think I want to ask more questions about that. Did you hear that that happiness in her voice? That yeah. was happiness that I heard, right? Yeah. That was. I mean, there's a, there's also Angel, Charmed, and I mean, you've been 50 different characters in video games, cartoons, and commercials. Uh, voiceover work for that, which is just amazing. Oh, thank you, guys. It makes me feel like a million bucks when you put it that way. <laughs> I think I think what Daniel's saying is you have his dream career right just oh, right voice, there. Oh, voiceover work would be awesome. I, mean, I would love to do it. Uh, just to be able to say, I mean, you're Maris Brood. That's just awesome. I mean, yeah, it's hard to top that. I gotta say. I mean, it, you are forever in the canon history of of Star Wars, which is just it's my biggest love. It is so. Aw, well, I'm I'm privileged to be part of it for sure, and it was really a spectacularly fun job, and just one of my favorites, actually. So, so you're right; it really is uh, too cool for school, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, we've got a few questions. We'll just throw them out as we go, and if you can answer them, great. If not, just let us know. But um, I mean, you played Eve and Xena way back when, and. What are some of your memories of playing that character? Because, I mean, that was a really cool character, especially way back then in the 90s. Uh, ooh, yes, when we put it that way, it was like the... <laughs> I know. Uh, but Don't yeah, no, I did get my, my big start, my sort of big break, although I had been acting for a couple of years. My, my sort of real introduction into the world was as Zena's daughter, I was also the Empress of Rome, and I was the most insane warrior that that Rome had ever seen. I was the kind of character that would just pillage villages just because I felt like it, and it was Wednesday. <laughs> and uh, I was this character, you know, the, the mythos of the character is that I had lived for 25 years without my mother, that mm-hmm. I had been abandoned as a baby. And so she finds me as an adult, and... We just, I shouldn't say we, but I instantly hate her because I feel so abandoned. 
And, you know, she is trying to make amends, but also, you know, trying to keep me from murdering. So, so yeah, yeah high consent too. So was that a really different character to play? Because, I mean, up to that point, you know, you were in Sweet Valley High, you were Saved by the Bell, and now you're playing this kind of crazed character that just, like you said, it's Wednesday, let's go, let's go slaughter a village. Uh, yes, in the most delicious way. It was everything <laughs> that I wanted to do. Not necessarily that I had been, you know, wanting to play a murderer, but, but you know, I, I've really never been the girl who's been interested in playing the girlfriend or it, just any of that type of thing is not super interesting to me. Where this character was so rich and so meaty and so full of surprises. And, I mean, truly everything about it was a surprise. I mean, I didn't even know I was playing Zena's daughter until after I was hired. They had kept that tidbit secret and only told me about the warrior part. And then I would be a nemesis to her. And then, you know, three episodes in, then I have this religious epiphany and the character does a complete 180 and is completely different than who I had been hired to play. So, again... It was just full of surprises. And, you know, as an actress, it can be frustrating because the character was so much fun. And I feel like I really just found my feet with it fully when it switched. But at the same time, it was such an extraordinary gift to not just be stuck playing one thing, but to be thrown these curveballs that you have to figure out in the moment. And, you know, that's the adventure of it. That's what makes it so fun and interesting and surprising. Now... Did you get to keep any of the props or costumes from Xena? Ugh, I wish. <laughs> uh, at the end of the series, they did a giant auction and auctioned off everything. Uh, there were only a couple of things that I really wish that I had, but to this day, I wish that I had them. And um, one was the helmet, which was just incredibly cool. And I mean, it was that helmet was actually only made out of styrofoam, but it had these giant plumes on it and it was painted in this way that was just incredibly cool and I think it would yeah. be such a great conversation piece and then I also had these wrist gauntlets that were just gorgeous creations and I wore them every single day for you know that I was working for the longest time and they just they were the piece that I loved like you know I had some some fights with between myself and my costume because you know it takes a while to get that stuff right but the yeah. wrist gauntlets were not only cool to look at, but they, you know, they worked from day one and they, they sort of, they, they were just cool. So those are the two things I wish that I had. Yeah. I mean, mentioning, you mentioned the helmet, it's kind of amazing the props. Cause I mean, you look at these TV series and they look realistic, like it's real armor, but most of it's like styrofoam or something very lightweight. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can move around and like, you exactly. know, yeah, it's all a combination. I mean, my costume itself, aside from the helmet, my costume was real metal. I mean, I'm sure it's not even remotely the grade of metal that you would have if you were actually a warrior. Yeah. But the costume itself probably weighed maybe 18 pounds when everything was on. I mean, it was really, by the end of the day, I was so tired just, <laughs> you know, just from walking around in it and not even realizing it. But yeah, it's also extraordinary the way they can make things look real and the way that you, you know, like every sword is in triplicate. You have a practice version that is really light uh, and it's just for choreography's sake to help you get the moves down. There is the sword that you fight with, which is a really hard pressed plastic 
that's painted to look incredibly real. And then for the close-ups, you have an actual sword, a real sword, metal sword that you are using, but of course you're not actually fighting with it. It's just for the insert shots. Just make sure you don't get them mixed up, right? In the heat of oh, the sure. heat of the action. Yeah. Yeah. That would be painful. <laughs> now, most of Xena was shot in New Zealand, right? All of it was, yes. So, I mean, you got to spend a lot of time down there. That had to have been amazing, just the scenery and everything like that. It was. It's kind of unparalleled, but it's also, you know, it's an embarrassment of riches because most of the time when you're shooting something, you're sort of trapped indoors for 12 hours at a time. And because Xena shot outdoors, that meant that we got to see the most extraordinary locations and we were on beaches and mountains and, you know, just everything in between live and in person, as opposed to only being able to maybe see that on my one day off a week, you know? Oh man. I think this just goes right back to my original statement of you really had our, have our dream career. Like, cause that just sounds incredible. Like I, I, the only thing I ever do is extra work. It feels like, you know, and the, the occasional, uh, very low level, uh, I have one line. Boy, these pretzels are making me thirsty type thing. So, like, <laughs> hearing your stories about being in New Zealand is just, oh, I'm I'm envious. Yeah. yeah, it was dreamy. I mean, I was almost jealous of myself. It was a really cool experience and one that I look back on and it feels very magical. And, you know, the work that we were doing at the time was so incredibly hard. So even in the moment, you were loving it, but it was sort of clouded by just how difficult the work was because shooting outdoors while beautiful is also that much more exhausting, that much more difficult because, you know, it's an island. So it rains all the time and, you know, just stuff like that, that you're having to work around and, you know, just shooting in the sun all day can be extra exhausting and, you know, which doesn't take away even one, one iota of how extraordinary it was, but it just means that in the moment, sometimes you were so exhausted that you weren't even really, as present as you wanted to be so yeah well i mean on on top of that you're weighing 18 extra pounds you're not used to and you're (laughs) you're spinning around and fighting with swords and yeah yeah no it's true i mean i think a lot of that was you know you were powered by adrenaline as much as anything else yeah i I, i'm impressed i mean i you know i've done sword fighting and stuff like that and, and it takes a lot out of you i cannot imagine you doing that for hours on end where like, oh, cut, uh, let's do that fight scene over. I mean, and then having to c- completely do it again, that huh, that's just sounds you know, like torture. But again, it's that weird thing that happens where when you don't have a choice, you figure out how to do it. And that's both how to learn to do it fairly quickly, because mm-hmm. of course they have a schedule they have to keep. Mm-hmm. But it, it's also that when there is no alternative, I mean, you're going to find a way to, to make it work. I mean... You know, I do tell this, I've told this story several times of the first week that I was there, I was just working nonstop because the episode was focused on me and it was something crazy, like seven different fight scenes, including one on a horse. And, you know, I'm just learning all of this new stuff at once. And, and it was almost better that way because I, I did not have one second to even get nervous or one second to be overanalyzing anything or you know, anything, all I could do was just keep putting one foot in front of the other because there was so much thrown at me immediately. And, you know, some of my later episodes were 
much more calm and, you know, not quite as focused on my character. So they weren't quite as intense, but the first three episodes were just a freight train. And, you know, I was just holding on for dear life and, and, you know, just trying to hit my mark and say my, say my lines and, you know, give it the, uh, uh, the flavor that I had intended, you know. Yeah, but isn't that the best way to get a the trial get a by taste fire of yeah. the character? I mean, to just delve right into it and just congratulations, you are this character now. Yeah, I, I sort of have a philosophy that if I'm hired for the job, then I'm right for it because I think as human beings, we naturally want to second guess everything and panic and think, oh my god, what if I forgot how to act or what if I. I'm not the right person for this role or I don't know how to do this. And you just have to sort of take a step back and just really come to terms with the fact that if, if no one gives jobs away willy nilly, <laughs> yeah. do the nail for these things. So if you got it, you got to trust that you have it and, and that you have everything needed for that job. And it was, it was an interesting experience to not even have the luxury of time to be able to, second guess myself even if I had wanted to but you're right it was a great lesson and one that I that I took from that where I love the trial by fire thing I do think it's great to jump in with both feet but even if that's not how something works I just now sort of do that on my own instead of you know tentatively putting my foot in the water uh, toes in the water for a new project I just jump in each time and I have very clear ideas of who the character is, what I want to do with them, etc., and so forth. And I think it works. Nice. Well, going along with that, uh, I do have a question for... Because uh, coming up, you have uh, Requiem. Uh, Requiem Renegades coming out. Or Renegades The Requiem coming out, right? That's... that's, that's... Uh, I, I do. And I have to tell you, <laughs> I feel so inept talking about it right now because they keep changing the dates or at least the information that I had has been changing. And... Um, I guess for donors, the first half of the Requiem came out in February, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I think the next part, the, the second half of it comes out in April. But I'm not actually sure if those dates are the same for everyone or if that's only donors that get the uh, sort of this the sneak preview of it. So, But yes, either, either way, very shortly, everyone will be able to see parts one and two of Renegades the Requiem. Oh, I'm I'm excited. I actually I'm following you guys on Facebook, and uh, according to this, uh, Friday, March thirty first, releasing part one to the public. So tomorrow. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, oh, so well, tomorrow. Well, we're releasing the episode tomorrow. So, so today. Viewer, so viewers, it's today. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we're excited to actually see it. Um. And I wanted to ask you about actually playing Captain Lexa. Like, how how was that? How was that experience for you? I love this character so much. I just adore her. She is smart and feisty and just a force to be reckoned with. And, you know, I love that they have put a woman in charge, but I also love that she's someone that's a bit of a loose cannon. Um, For anyone that hasn't seen Star Trek Renegades, that was our first foray into the storytelling, which came out two years ago, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's directed by Tim Russ. It stars uh, Walter Koenig. Uh, Tim is also in it. Manu and Tereme. Uh This new iteration also includes Terry Farrell. Uh, I'm blanking out on names right now. But basically, 90% of the cast is Star Trek veterans. And we are telling a new version of a Star Trek story. And uh, while it has morphed a a bit because of the new regulations uh we're sort of finishing out the story that we started as best we can 
And basically, it is a black ops version of Star Trek. We are the team that can't be talked about, but the team that is always behind the scenes getting stuff done. And Mm -hmm. so it's a darker version where, you know, we do the things that have to be done, even though they can be questionable. But at the same time, it is still always for the greater good. Mm -hmm. Well, and for me, like, it's the, uh, the entire, the whole Star Trek versus Star Trek Renegades, or Renegades versus Star Trek Renegades. Um, what can we expect in the differences? Because I know there had to be changes, obviously. Um, but you guys still were able to get the story out, which for me, as as a storyteller who who has dabbled in some fan productions, it, it it's so inspiring that you took an idea that you loved and you were able to get it out uh, without the copyrights. Like that's just that's that's exciting for me. Well, there was some fancy thinking, you know, on their feet because we had actually already filmed. Uh, definitely a day. It might've been two days. We had already filmed when the regulations came out. So we had to do some, some quick thinking. And basically what we did is we kept our story as is, but we just tweaked all of the direct Star Trek references. So the costumes were tweaked, the character names were tweaked, but we're finishing out the story that we started. So anyone that was a fan of Star Trek Renegades will understand the story and will not have any sort of problem picking it up. And for that matter, if you want to just start with Renegades the Requiem, uh, it's it's a great story. Uh, I personally think you should watch both to get more of the backstory, but it certainly still works on its own. Uh, you know, the, the Requiem is specifically the end of Walter Koenig's character, and this is at his bequest. He wanted to decide how his character ended and didn't want it to just be something ambiguous or just never told. So they came up with this story where, you know, you get to see a side of Walter that uh, is charming and heroic and fabulous and wonderful, just like he (laughs) is, but that is something that you don't get a chance to see him do very often. Wow. I this is just kind of interesting because one of the things that kind of, I'm not a Trekkie, I, I love Star Wars, but... I'm just, both, if it means you're, anything. You're, you're, you're both, but just saying the Black Ops team for Star Trek, I'm like interested. It's like, ooh, I want to see this. Right. Because, I mean, Kirk, he quick, he's kind of the bad boy renegade of Starfleet that we've always known, but even then, he's still kind of the White Knight. Now, sure. we get to see a... And, you know, we've seen Cisco and all these other captains. They don't really blur the lines. Now we see a captain... It's kind of like Han Solo. Shoots first, who cares? Later, that's what it kind of sounds like. Well, it's literally what I do. I mean, when you initially meet my character, I'm in prison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that sort of, you know, sets it up. But then uh, I get back to my ship, and there's another person in charge, another captain in charge. And so I walk up to him, and I vaporize him. And that's the introduction <laughs> of my character. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so you sort of get the idea of what, you know, what goes behind it. And I'm really proud of the work we did. I mean, you know, it was an independent production, so we have some budget limitations, but we certainly also have some extraordinary performances and some beautiful special effects. And I think we, considering the amount of money and the amount of time we had, I think we really worked a bit of a miracle. Yeah. Well, I mean... And even if it is on a small budget, I think a lot of fans actually enjoy that. I mean, let's take an example of what they did with Deadpool. That was a very small budget, and it went huge. I mean, the fans loved it. So, Well, that was made by the fans. Yeah. That's the thing, is that all the films that we're seeing now, 
they're literally fan films. All the new Batman films, they are yeah. films made by the fans. Yeah. And that's what fans want to see, and that's what we're actually getting. That's why I'm so excited to see actually what you guys did uh, to tweak this on uh, to become Renegades. Yeah. Uh, well, that makes two of us. I'm excited to see it myself. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, I hope everyone enjoys it. And, you know, I hope they, I also ha- can't help but say I hope they watch it with a bit of a sense of humor because I know they had to do some some pretty uh, creative thinking to work around the the new regulations, but more specifically to work around the days that had already been filmed to yeah. try to switch those. So, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see all of that. Now, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but didn't you also work with Walter on uh, Nobility? I did. Yeah, Nobility is this little sci-fi pilot that Walter and I did together. It also has Cass Anbar, uh, Christopher Judd, uh, Judge, uh, Tori Higginson, Miracle Glory, uh, uh, Doug Jones, uh, James Kyson. I mean, it's just it's a lot of of veterans from all kinds of sci-fi genres. Yeah. And, you know, they pitch it as, uh, as the office meets Firefly or the office in space kind of a thing. And basically it's, it's a bunch of heroes in quotation marks that are just, you know, they're just regular people and they're completely fallible, but they're in this situation where they need to be the best of humanity. And of course they're often falling short of that. And, you know, it was a fun little project. I don't know if we'll see it go anywhere beyond uh, the one episode living on the web. But, yeah. but yeah, it was, it was you know, it was a bunch of my close friends. And we just took a week and made something fun and interesting and, you know, just to see where it would go. And, yeah, uh, getting to work with Walter again was great. I mean, Walter, you know, he's such a great theater actor. And he's also so incredibly funny. And... I honestly think that Walter is by far the best part of nobility because he just is hilarious. He he basically doesn't even have any lines. He's just constantly mumbling, but he's so adorably charming and just so inept intentionally (laughs) that, that it's just, it's just endearing. So yeah, I'm sure that if it's not already, it will eventually be online and you can catch some clips of it there. Yeah, because I haven't seen this yet. Yeah, I, no, my friend James Guineer actually said, oh, you got you to gotta check this out. It's going to... Okay, so I know great. where I'm going immediately after this because that sounds hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Now, as far as for Renegades, is that also... Are you guys also pitching that one to try to be picked up, like, uh, for Netflix or... Uh, you know, that's kind of a beyond my pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I would certainly assume that everybody is looking for every opportunity that they can, but... I have no idea. Um, you know, they, they just sort of tell me once they have results, not when they're, you know, in the, the middle of the search party for results. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's jump, let's jump to, to Star Wars. I mean, uh, like I said, we mentioned earlier, you're known for being the voice of Maris Brood. I mean, I have to ask because I, I, looking at the images and your pictures, it looks like they used your resemblance for the character because it's, it's uncanny how much... Very similar you oh, two look. Before I realized that you were Maris Brood, I saw a picture of you and I said, wow, she looks just like Maris Brood, doesn't she? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the five lead characters, we were all mo-capped. So, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, so the, the, the five of us, uh, me, Sam Witwer, Natalie Cox, uh, Cully Fredrickson, 
I think there was one more, although I am thinking Proxy, which obviously Proxy was not uh, voked out. Mm. Um, uh, but anyway, we all worked together for a couple of weeks putting the whole thing together. It was a really great experience because, you know, the, the voicing we did over the course of probably two years, but the mocap that we did was over the course of a couple of weeks. And it was such a refreshing experience because, as you know, with voiceover, 90% of the time, it's just you in a booth. And sometimes you have context of what's happening or sometimes you're able to hear the other actors' recordings, but usually it's just you and they marry it all together afterwards. But with The Force Unleashed, we were all able to be in the room together acting it out as scenes. Oh, which wow. Was really refreshing and, you know, just really gave it, uh, you know, some sort of gravity that I think it it wouldn't have had otherwise. Well, because you have acting, you have reacting. You can actually react. Exactly. On, that's that's incredible. I had no idea about that. Yeah, I didn't either. Because you're right. Most voiceover acting, you're, you're in a box. And it's like, all right, read lines from page X, Y, Z. And you do it. And then they're like, oh, no, no, let's go back and put a little bit of more emotion. But being able to react to how other people are acting, that's awesome. Yeah. No, it was, it was incredibly cool for all of us that were there but I also think it was incredibly cool for the end result I think it really makes a difference and you know just having that extra bit of wiggle room in terms of emotional play and as you said the reactions and being able to really listen and 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 to know in the moment how the other actors are playing it instead of just guessing and hoping and yeah, yeah. it was really cool now is it difficult having you know, the motion captioning stuff on? Because I know they, like, put dots and you sometimes you wear outfits. I mean, was it uncomfortable or was it not? Uh, it's always weird. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, yeah, it just is. I mean, it's cool because everybody's going through it together. So yeah. at least, you know, you're not on your own with the, the oddness of it. But, yeah, it's really weird, especially in sensitive places, which I just now realized that sounded dirtier than I meant to it, but... <laughs> But, like, having those dots on your lips, that oh. was crazy-making. Like, it's so hard to – because it just feels like you've got something that you need to get off of your mouth. But but the the thing is now the technology has changed so much that it's, you know, it's, a, it's an easier process. I mean, there's projects that I'm working on now where instead of tangible physical dots that they're gluing to you, they now just take a marker and just – you know, put some dots on your face that you will never feel or know or have any, uh, there's no, there's no sensory experience to it. It's really something you can ignore now, which is nice. Yeah. No, I mean, I know when my lips get dry, just the feeling of that and how insane that drives me nuts. I can only imagine having dots stuck to your lips would just be annoying. You know, trying to talk and know they're there and, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is having when you have stuff like that going on, it's acting through it. It's yeah. It's trying to you know, it's for you and whoever's working with you. Mm-hmm. It's being able to somehow find a way to ignore this contraption and ignore, you know, all of the stuff that goes along with it and still be able to find those moments and you know, sometimes that's easier than others. I mean, you know, sometimes it's especially because you know, that's technology that's changing so quickly and I remember there was also this headpiece that you had to wear that was sort of like a kind of like a cross between a crown and like I can't remember what what are those things called where if you break your neck and so they have to keep your head stable. Oh. They, 
yeah, whatever those things are called. I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember the name either. Neck brace. Right. Neck brace, a neck brace, yeah. Kind of, yes, but it, you know the thing that screws into your head is what I'm, like. Oh, those contraptions, wow, yeah. Yeah, it, like, it's it's a weird combination of those two things where you've got something on your head, but it was also, like, back then it was balanced in a way that they wanted your, they could only do certain ranges of motion, so you were sort of limited in what you could do, and anyway, I mean, that's that's a moot point because now that's changed, yeah. but yes, just tells you that it was a frustrating experience at moments of trying to, you know, be this badass Jedi, but feeling really ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you look at, like, some of the behind-the-scenes things they do with, like, Andy Serkis, and he just looks like he's comfortable and doing all sorts of crazy stuff, but I just look at that, and I'm like, man, that has to be super uncomfortable. I mean... Well, he's also superhuman. I mean, yeah. he is such an exception to the rule. He's just, <laughs> he has some sort of extraordinary DNA where he's able to channel all of these other creatures, and, you know, just, he's really, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean... Besides that, I mean, you've kind of, like we, we mentioned, you've been in Clone Wars, you've been in the Old Republic, uh, the, that game series. What is next for Adrian? I mean, you, you, <laughs> there's just so much you've already kind of been in. Oh, there, but that's the amazing thing that's happening right now is there's just so many projects. So, I mean, you know, let's hope there's no end to that list. Let's hope it just keeps growing. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's been the ultimate privilege to be part of Star Wars, and I hope it continues, and, you know, knock on wood, and all of that stuff, let's hope that it continues to be something in my world. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I have, I have, the funny thing is, you know, you want to say that actors have controls, and they do the auditions, and et cetera, and so forth, but of course, really, actors have almost no control. Yeah. <laughs> the future work but i would certainly be excited to continue more within that world for sure nice now which do you prefer more the voice acting in like or, or acting in voice acting in tv or cartoons or or video games Ooh, that's tricky um or is it just across the board <laughs> Well, it's across the board, I guess, but that's because more than genre-based, it's it kind of boils down to the company that you're working with, and honestly, it also has to do with the budgets that are available, because what you want to do is have enough resources available that you know you're giving a fantastic performance, you have no questions, because there's the support team behind you to make sure that it's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, something tiny budget they're just trying to get through it as quickly as they can and you have very limited time you have just all of that stuff mm -hmm. so to me more than more than tv versus video games or something like that to me it's really about just hoping that you get continue to get the chance to work on really fantastic material that it has support behind it yeah okay well i i, I it's just amazing the characters you've been able to play. I mean, kind of going back to Clone Wars, I mean, you got to play the daughter. This is jealousy. That's basically what he's saying. It it's is. Jealousy. I mean, you were there kind of one of the pivotal characters, you know, with Anakin saying, oh, you're going to go with the dark side or the light side or whatever like that. It's just amazing. I, I just find it fantastic that you've had these opportunities. 
And so how did you get into into the world of voice acting? I mean, because you, you obviously were acting. Was it just someone came up to you and said, hey, I think your voice would be perfect for this character? Or, or what? Because I've tried the voicemail thing, just leaving funny voicemails. It's not working for me at all. Like, not a bit. Nobody knows who I am. It's Aww. embarrassing. <laughs> uh, well, I don't really do a very big range of voices per se. So it wasn't something that I was really looking into. Okay. But I will say it was an easy transition for me because almost all of the work that I had been doing, almost all of the on-camera work, required extensive ADR. Um, Pretty much whenever you shoot outdoors, you have to redo your dialogue. And that's a very specific process in the voice booth. And... It's different than animation, but it's certainly very closely related. And some people hate it and some people, some people can't do it at all. Like it's just a disconnect that they can't quite feel comfortable with it. But it was something that I was always quite good at. And eventually, uh, I think it was my manager at the time who just asked if I would be interested. And, uh, and I said I would give it a go, but I was really nervous that they would want me to do, you know, have this roster of 50 voices and, at which I didn't, but luckily, you know, that's not really how voiceover works. I mean, there's certainly a market for, uh, for cartoon voices, but that market is already cornered. I mean, you know, there's literally like less than a hundred actors that do probably 80% of the cartoon voices out there. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just an incredibly small pool of these geniuses that just seem to have no end of characters that they can create and create on the fly. And, and luckily for me, that's not what I was really looking to do. Um, I just wanted to sort of see what other stuff was out there. And, you know, video games are awesome for me because they allow me to play characters I'd never get the chance to play on screen. They let me play. They let me uh, just, you know, it's, it's almost like rehearsal for potential other characters that I could do in the future, including mm-hmm. on screen stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just, I, I thought that I would try it. I will say the, the first job, the first real voiceover job I had was a voice match where I sounded like someone else. And so I was able to get a start that way and just sort of that, which was very similar to ADR, but then it's just sort of grown. And, you know, now I have this series called suspense, which is, a um, it's a radio anthology show, which is kind of like the twilight zone on radio. Oh, nice. Hmm. Yeah, it's really, it's amazing. You can find it on iTunes or, I mean, we're on stations all around the world. We're on about 300 stations now and we've done more than a hundred episodes and there's about five or six episodes that are related to one another. It's a continuing story. But other than that, they're all each just their own episode, just insular episodes that, that tell these stories where usually at least one person dies and they're, they have a, a very much a flavor of like 1940s, 50s, 60s, old time radio dramas. And it's just super fun. And I mean, I just recruit everyone that I work with. So the cast we have is really just extraordinary of guest actors that have come in and, and, you know, just gotten to sink their teeth into something fun and ridiculous and over the top. And, and that's another thing, like I enjoy doing it, but one of the things I love is that I, again, get to try characters that I wouldn't normally yeah. get to do. So, you know, one week she's a, a French teenager and the next week I'm, you know, I'm a 
a ballsy middle-aged New Yorker and then I'm a monster and you know like it's that kind of thing which I think also helps to just sort of keep all of those muscles working I'm I'm sold I I loved listening growing up those old-time radio dramas you know yeah. Uh, you know, Fibber McGee okay. and Molly and all those, even you know, the the horror ones that were at night. I'd stay up till 11 o'clock at night, turn on the radio and listen to it. And We're not dating ourselves at all. No, no. no but, uh, you know, that was fun. And, you know, I've even talked to some friends like, man, I wish these were around because they were so much fun to listen to. I mean, we kind of got it with audio books, but it's just not the same. So, yeah, yeah. We, you know, I mean, I have a friend who is really into them, and it was his idea. He's the producer-director of the show, and he just thought, you know, let's give it a go, and we decided to try it, and it's so fun to record and very, very fast and sort of furious, and and it, it, all I can say is that it's worth the time. Oh, I, I'm going to go look for him. I'm, I'm, bookmark, yeah, I go. I'm bookmarking this one right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear hear about this. Hold on, I'm taking notes. Uh, and then what was the other one? That we, we were supposed to look up another one that was a pilot. Oh, no, but nobility. Nobility. Yeah. Okay, I need to look yeah. up that. I need to look up this. I'm All looking right. up both of them. Um, now, as far as for talking about different projects, uh, I think we're almost out of time, but I want to ask you, what um, are you most excited about coming up that, that you can actually talk about? Obviously, if there's anything you're, you're not allowed to talk about, well, then, you know, you can't. But are there any um, projects that you're working on right now that you're really excited that you just can't wait to get out there? I'm really lucky. The last couple of years, I've had a lot of projects that, for one reason or another, were delayed a bit um, in their release dates. And it looks like this year, several of them are going to come out. And probably the one at the top of my list is a feature film called Burning Dog. And let's see, it stars Greg Grunberg and Salvatore Yerb. Uh, and all a whole host of character actors, and I play Greg Grunberg's love interest. There, it's a heist kind of film, but it's shot kind of like a first-person video game. So <laughs> the camera is the lead character, and it's it's kind of a heist crime comedy. Like it's just it's it, it's almost hard to describe because really nothing exactly like this has happened before. And uh, I just talked to Greg about it a week ago, and it is almost finished. They have, they're doing the very final tweaks on editing, and it looks like it should be out this year. And, I mean, we had a blast making this thing. Yeah, and, they're, they're, we just pulled up a picture. It looks like you're wearing a dog costume or something. Are you the burning dog? What? Costume, yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm, a, I'm in a series of the most ridiculous costumes you've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, because as I'm Greg Grunberg's very sweet girlfriend who makes her living as one of those like online chat girls in like fantasy girls who dresses up <laughs> however the client wants her to dress up. So basically every time that he walks into the house, I'm in a different outfit. Oh my God. Did Greg write this? This sounds like Greg wrote this. It does sound like he wrote it. <laughs> no, um, the, the director writer is a guy named Trey Batchelor. And this is his first film uh, as a writer-director. But he's been an AD on probably 80 of some of the biggest movies in Hollywood. And so he's had a lot of experience of knowing what works and what doesn't. And 
And the script, again, it's it's unlike anything I've ever read uh, or seen, for that matter. So, you know, we'll, we'll, I don't know, since I haven't seen it, I don't know exactly what to say about it. But, but I'm very excited. I think it's going to be very positive. This looks amazing. I want to go see this. Uh, you can't. It's coming soon. Well, you, soon. you just said it. I love heist movies. <laughs> you know, that I just do. And just the outfit you're wearing in this picture and then you're saying he every time he comes in you're in a different one. Oh my gosh, I just want to see just for that fact. Okay, what's she going to be in next? I totally have a crush on Greg, so I'm looking forward and you, to it. And you love Greg, yeah. Yeah, Greg is amazing to me. I just He is. He's an incredibly cool dude and yeah, the fact that he's excited about it made me even more excited about it. So, so yeah, I will certainly post and make sure everybody knows when it's available and where. Wonderful. All right, and Greg's another one of those actors that's crossed the boundaries, both in Star yeah. Trek and in Star Wars. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's like we're unicorns. Yes, you are, <laughs> and you're you're both in this movie. It's perfect. So, you know, I just want to say thank you for giving us time tonight to to talk with you. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and is there any place or, that you're going to be next that our listeners can find you at any conventions or anything like that? Uh, I'm going to be even, I'm not sure if I'm being more broad or more specific, but I'm going to say just check adrianwilkinson.com. That has all my social media. It lists all my upcoming appearances and all of the upcoming projects and basically more information than you'd ever want to know, but it's the <laughs> easiest place to go and find everything. I like that. One-stop shop. Following. <laughs> well, again, thank you for your time. We appreciate it so much. Uh, thank you for having me. I had a great time. Okay. Well, uh, again, we'd love to have you back anytime. You have any new projects you'd love to talk about. And, you know, thanks for your time. Yeah. All right. Have a good one. You All too. Right, thank you, too. you again. All right. With that said, that was our interview with Adrian Wilkinson. All around awesome person I, I i yeah i yeah i'm she's been in star wars she's been in star trek she was in xena come on she's even on saved by the bell i do admit if i was on one of these set pe- sets i'd probably steal a set piece so i also admire her her professionalism there i would steal it i mean come on chris I, pratt stole the entire star lord outfit i always steal something from everything I, that I'm of on. course don't tell anyone that oh I wait mean, this is on the air i mean let, let's be honest Back then, it was kind of her, probably her first real big thing, mm-hmm. but you know, and she probably didn't want to jinx She's an anything. She's not and and probably back then it was a little bit harder. And I don't know, maybe it's always been easy to still. She's stuff. just a good person, Daniel. You need yes. to accept that. that she, she's she a good is. person, even and though we're scum. Even though she does play some uh, very uh, interesting characters that are like scum and villainy, but all around awesome. Uh, but that's, yes. that's all that matters. So. If you're listening to this, go out, check out uh, Renegade's Requiem, the Requiem. Uh, yes, the Requiem uh, Part 1 comes out uh, today. So it's out right now. Yep. Uh, stay tuned, you'll be able to get Part 2. But you can also see Star Trek Renegade, which kind of sets everything up for Requiem. Mm-hmm. And, and that, uh, that's available already. And also, if you can find Nobility online, big hit. And keep an eye out for Burning Dog, which hopefully will be coming out soon Very imdb soon. says 2017 so I'm yes hopeful. uh with greg grundberg so uh oh Love my you, greg yes i mean with that said awesome show and we'll catch you next time nailed it first try